So several years ago, George Carlin did a routine on baseball and football. And he said the difference between those two sports is the spirit behind those two sports. Listen to what he says. He says, football is played on a gridiron. Baseball's played in a park. It's kind of a nice place to play. Football players wear helmets. Baseball players wear caps. In football, there's a specialist who comes in and kicks something. In baseball, a specialist comes in to relieve somebody. Football has a two-minute warning. Baseball has a seventh-inning stretch. Football has sudden death. That kind of sounds ominous. Baseball gets extra innings. Not just innings. They get extra innings. In football, a runner will give you the stiff arm. In baseball, the runner gets to slide. Isn't that fun? You get to slide. But the biggest difference is that football, the main object, is military. In football, the battle is fought in the trenches. The field general, the quarterback, seeks to evade the bliss, soften up the enemy line with a pounding ground attack and an aerial bombardment. He'll mix bullet passes with an occasional going for the bomb in order to penetrate the enemy defenses and reach the end zone. In baseball, the object is just to go home. I want to go home. Isn't that a nice place? I think it's pretty obvious George Carlin prefers football, but I like what he said. The difference in those sports is in the spirit of the sport, and that kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning is the conflict that we have in two spirits around the Christmas time, and we talked about it since we was this big, but we don't ever seem to get it, and that's the conflict we have between the spiritual and the material. It seems like this time of year, we all just get the gimme's. More. I want more. Give me, give me, give me more. All of us get that way. And we know we should be different. We know that we ought to be concentrating on the birth of Jesus and all the things that go with that. And of all the gifts we're going to get at Christmas, the greatest gift is what we have in Christ, right? I mean, everything else, the Ronco pocket fisherman, the new uh, iWatch or whatever that's called, and, you know, the, I don't know, Omaha steaks, I don't know, pale in comparison to what we have with Jesus. And we all know that. We also know that during this time of year, we ought to be more than generous, We get a good gift, we ought to be given good gifts. We ought to look out for places where we can help. But something happens around Christmas, I don't get it. Slowly, almost insidiously, we get moved right back into the give me, give me, give me mode. I want more. And we hold what we got, and we cling what we got. Hams and turkeys and presents, oh my, you know. I understand things haven't changed too much in that the, the most hectic shopping day of the year is the day after Thanksgiving, which starts the Christmas shopping season officially, and the second most hectic shopping day is the day after Christmas when we're spending our gift cards and exchanging gifts. So again, our focus is not on Jesus, it's on stuff. And, and, and then we compare and we compete and, and we charge all this stuff on credit cards that takes years to pay off sometimes. We know better, and we don't have to live that way. I'd like to talk to you this morning uh, from uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and you can pull that up on your phone if you want to. Uh, Pull out a blue Bible in front of you. That's yours to keep. That's what they're there for. If you know somebody else that needs a Bible, take one to them. Uh, And we're going to look at the the shepherds, because I think in a real way, the shepherds had to battle this spiritual slash material conflict too. And if we can see how they handled it, maybe we could re-examine a few things and get our families and ourselves back on focus at Christmas. Let's do it. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Let's stop here for just a minute. What an awesome thing this must have been for these shepherds. Shepherds are not a real glamorous job, by the way, uh, but there are a lot of them. Today we say, you know, it didn't take much training to be a shepherd. Today we say, if you can't get a job doing anything else, you can get a job flipping burgers. Back then, if you couldn't get a job doing anything else, you could at least get a job shepherding. 
Anybody could shepherd. Even a boy named David could shepherd. And there were thousands of shepherds. And the reason for that, one of the reasons is, I read one time, it's estimated, this is unbelievable to me, over a quarter of a million sheep were sacrificed at the altar just during the Passover. This is the week of the Passover in Jerusalem. A quarter of a million. So there's a lot of sheep sacrificed in Jerusalem. And, and people were uh, supposed to bring their own sheep with them when they journeyed to Jerusalem to give a sacrifice. But sometimes it was hard for these families to bring their sheep. So the priest made sure there was plenty of sheep available for people to buy at a price. Isn't that convenient? And so what this means is there were hundreds of thousands of sheep on the hillside around Judea and Jerusalem at any given time. It was called the temple flock, and that means there were thousands of shepherds that had to watch over them and protect them. Again, not a glamorous job, but it was a great job. And being a shepherd was common and lowly, but God chose, isn't it amazing, He chose the shepherds to be the first ones to announce the birth of His baby to. Not a priest, not a general, not a king, but a night watchman on the third shift. All right, God's pretty cool, isn't He? Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and were terrified. I bet they were. Arabella tagged. She played the little angel last week in the play. I don't know if you saw that or not. But uh, during practice, Jackie said she came out on stage, and she came up behind the kids, and she said, greetings. And Jackie said, oh, honey, Arabella, you got to understand, you are God's most powerful angel. you got to change that up. So last week she did. She came out on stage last week and said, Greetings. And everybody in the church, including me, jumped. I mean, she did a great job with that. That's the way it was. These guys were terrified. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Can you imagine how honored these shepherds must have felt? I mean, of all the people in Jerusalem, of all the shepherds in Judea, God chose them. How privileged and honored they must have felt. Blessed. Let me ask you something. How blessed do you feel? Because we're blessed people. I mean, we, yeah, we live in the New Testament era. That is, we have this all written down. We, we know that Christ came and died for us on the cross. We have historic fact that he rose again to prove he could, he could raise from the dead, and so can we. We happen to know that if we believe in Him, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We know we're saved by grace and not by works. We know all of that. The people before the cross were hoping for that. We're blessed people. We're also blessed to live in the United States. I mean, we have this unprecedented freedom to worship this Jesus any place, any time, any way we want to. It's not like that all over the world, and most of you know that. As I speak right now, there are Christians being persecuted, arrested, and killed for their faith. And I know people in this country are worried about our freedoms that are eroding, and we ought to be concerned about that. But one freedom we still have is the freedom to worship Jesus and evangelize Him. We're blessed people. Some of us in here are blessed to have had parents like we had that were authentic and real and taught us Christian values in a way that have stuck. And all of us in here are blessed in the communication area because all you got to do is pull out your phone and you can hear great preaching, you can hear great teaching, you can hear great Christian music anytime you want to. And I'll tell you something else, we're blessed to be a part of this church, amen? I mean, South Union Christian Church is the neatest place I've ever been. We had our congregational meeting last week, I don't know if you know that or not, and in our meeting, we affirmed a new elder, Kurt Streepy. Welcome, Kurt. We uh, 
affirmed a new trustee, Bob White, because Bob doesn't do anything else around here. And we also affirmed our budget for next year. And by the way, it was unanimous, again, unanimous. I grew up in a real neat church in Plainfield, Indiana. Our congregational meetings didn't always go like that. I remember one as a teenager where I walked out on it that had to do with our youth minister. The only other ministry we had in Centerton, we had a congregational meeting, almost went to fists. And I have several friends in the ministry who tell me absolute horror stories about their congregational meetings. We've never had one of those here. Why? Because people don't care? No. Because we are led by a group of elders here who are authentic and prayed up and doing their best to follow Jesus Christ. And we are surrounded by a group of people like you who are authentic and prayed up and trust them to do that. We're blessed with a staff that, in my opinion, is unequaled. I mean, seriously, I don't know where in the world you'd find a more talented worship leader than we have in this red-haired little girl that we have. She's amazing. I don't know where you'd find a youth minister more gifted than Mark. I I don't. The kid knows everything except country music. He doesn't know anything about country, which is okay. We have the greatest children's minister in the county, maybe the state, Jackie. And we have a new uh, executive minister who's hit the ground running. We have a secretary slash treasurer in Christy Webster. I don't know what we would do without Christy. We couldn't run the church without you. And in my opinion, uh, we have the prettiest inside and out women's minister that's ever walked the planet. We're blessed people here in this church. I know people that drive 25 minutes to a half hour every week to come here. I know some people that drive 45 minutes to an hour to come to this church. I mean, I would. Now, you put all those blessings together, and we might just be, on this side of the shepherds, the most consistently blessed people that's ever been. We got it made, and so did the shepherds. But even with all these spiritual blessings and privileges, the shepherds faced a material challenge. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord's told us about. Now, you've got to imagine this scene. I don't think they just jumped right up and took off. When the angel left, they kind of had to debrief. Dude, that was an angel. I mean, are you kidding me? Just, that's the most, that was off the charts, man. That's the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. Tell me about it. I was sound asleep. I thought a bolt of lightning hit the camp or something. Well, I was behind a tree over there, and at first I didn't see the angel. I saw you guys look on your faces. Then when I saw the angel, it was like unbelievable. Back and forth, they're talking, and then finally somebody said, hey, wait. That angel said, we got to go. We got to check out the baby. And that immediately presents a problem because in spite of all the excitement, they got a job to do. And their job description is this, you never leave the sheep unattended, no matter what, ever. Because if you leave the sheep, man, I don't know, an animal could come in and eat one. You know, wrestlers could come in and steal a couple of them. They could wander off and get lost, or they could stampede. I mean, they're already upset because the angel fell, you know what I mean? And what if the owner showed up in all the commotion and found out you weren't on the job? You're fired on the spot, and your family counted on that. So, you know, they're probably thinking... (laughs) Maybe we can wait till tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'm sure the baby will still be there tomorrow. Truthfully, I don't think they thought that over very long. Because as an angel, if an angel tells you to do something, you know. But the conflict between the spiritual and the material for us is much more pronounced because most of us in here have never seen an angel. Most of us here are walking by faith. And you couple that with the fact that we're living in a society right now that is just pushing stuff. 
constantly pushing stuff. I mean, the advertisers today are geniuses. Talking people into who have nice, wonderful two-year-old cars, talking them into buying brand new ones, because if you don't have a new one, you've really missed out, you know? And then you throw into that, the kids go to school, and well-intended educators are telling them to get great grades, why? So they can have a great job, why? So they can have lots of money, why? So they can buy more stuff. And then we're competing with each other and comparing with each other and envying each other, and then you throw onto that Christmas, and it's just like, more, 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 give me more. It's terrible. We're falling into this thing. I read last week that the average two-parent family charges $2,000 a year on their credit cards for Christmas. One guy said his biggest challenge every year was trying to convince his kids he was Santa Claus and trying to convince his wife that he wasn't. You know, we're just spending money all the time. And again, all of us in here know better than that. We know stuff can't buy happiness. We know that. We know that an increase in salary doesn't mean success. We know that relationships are whole more important than stuff, but we still seem to get sucked into this thing. There's a well-known painting that first appeared years ago in the Saturday Evening Post. It's this woman. She's buying a ham for the holidays, and she can't see, but the butcher, they're both looking at the scale because that determines the price. She can't see that the butcher's gently pushing on the scale with his thumb, and he can't see that she's gently pushing up on the scale with their forefinger, and they're both smiling at each other. And if we're not careful, man, that's us. But we read in the Scripture, and the Bible can, tells us constantly that not to store up treasures on earth, not to put our hope in these kind of things, because compared to the things we have in Christ, don't lay up treasure on earth. Don't be envious of the rich. Watch out, Jesus says. Be on guard against all kinds of, uh, of greed. A man's life doesn't uh, possess uh, about his possessions. Well, the shepherds realized that there was something a whole lot more important than sheep, and so they made their decision, and they took off uh, to see Mary and Joseph, and you all know the rest of that story. But there's a few lessons, I think, that we can take to the altar with us, I'm going to do that real quick, and maybe we can return our focus where it needs to be, at least for this week. Number one, they made, definitely made a choice to pursue the spiritual above everything else. They didn't deliberate on this thing and missed the opportunity, they took off immediately to go find the baby. And, and I think there's a lot of people sitting in churches all across the country today that just haven't made up their minds. You know what I mean? They don't know really what they want in life, spiritual or material. And so they're really not happy in either one of them. Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. You either love the one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he added, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, we've talked about this before. You can't choose both. You can have both. I know a lot of people that have both, but you can't choose both. You got to make up your mind. One guy was asked, would you rather be poor and miserable or rich, or, I mean, poor and happy or rich and miserable? He said, I'd like to be semi-rich and a little moody. <laughs> Sometimes I think we just need to make a choice. Joshua says, choose for yourself today whom you're going to serve. And I think the first step really in overcoming materialism is just make a decision. What do I really want out of life? I mean, do I want more stuff? Do I want to acquire a lot of money and put it all up so I have all I need? Do I want a bigger car and a nicer house and a new truck and all those kind of things? If that's what you want, go get it with everything you got because that's all you're going to get. But one thing, we shouldn't make ourselves miserable by claiming to be all about Jesus Christ when we're really not. You know what I mean? On the other hand, if you're all about finding Him and becoming more like Him and finding the riches and the full life that He promises, and again, you can have both, then go after that with all of your life. I don't know, probably about 25 years ago, Angie and I were shopping at Kmart. 
That's how old she is, by the way, Kmart. We still had two Kmarts back then, and we were shopping on the east side. And back then, we had about $40 per kid, and uh, we counted on the grandparents for everything else. We still do today. But anyway, she found this keyboard on sale, blue light special, at Kmart on the east side for 38 bucks for Amy, our oldest. And she bought that thing, and she brought it out. Well, they just started the scanning business which everybody thought was 666, you know what I mean? So they, they didn't scan the, the thing. She got out the car and she said, I thought something was off. They didn't scan that thing. And then she started having an argument with herself. She said, oh, you know, it's not my fault. I put it up there and they didn't scan it. And, you know, if I just keep it, I could even buy you something for Christmas. That kind of lit me up a little bit. And then she started talking back and forth a little bit. And long story short, she took it in and paid for it. And I got for Christmas that year a half a bottle of Jack Squat. That's how that worked out, you know. But, but Angie was the richer one because of that. Proverbs chapter 8, he says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you can desire compares with that. Good job, Angie. She did good. Second, I'll tell you something else the shepherds did. They got out of their comfort zone and searched for that new Messiah. This was tough. The angel didn't give them an exact location. Gave some clues, and they didn't have smartphones. They didn't have garments, and they were already out of their comfort zone because they had to leave the sheep, and now they're going to have to stop and ask some people. And I'm just saying, if you and I want to get focused again, and our family focused again on the spiritual instead of material, maybe this year we should change some things up at our house and maybe get out of our comfort zone. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe instead of staying home Christmas Eve and watching the elf or how the Grinch stole Christmas and then doing gifts, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you come to candlelight communion first. I don't know. Maybe instead of sitting around, you know how some people uh, recite the night before Christmas, maybe this year instead of that, you read Luke chapter 2 with your family. Maybe this year you bake a birthday cake and put candles on it and sing happy birthday to Jesus. That's hokey, I know that, but we did that when I was a kid at our house, and it sure reminded us what we were doing. Maybe some of you just need to stop and pray before you do the gift opening and say, let's thank Jesus for the greatest gift. We set our minds back on the things of the earth. One of the best ways to start that is in our worship. I'll tell you what, those shepherds worshiped that day. Now, we've talked about this before. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but, you know, we have to admit a lot of times we don't come to church ready to worship. And we we got our cell phones on, you know. Turn them on silence, but we got to keep them on because, you know, you might miss a business opportunity. You don't want to miss that. Or somebody might call and offer you some tickets. Or the, you know, you don't want to miss that. So you got your phones on, and some of you got your phones out, and you act like you're reading the text, but you're really playing Angry Birds with the sound off. You didn't know I knew that, did you? <laughs> we got cameras. Everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm telling you, the shepherds didn't do that. When, when they got to the stables, you know, none of the shepherds said, Ooh, we got sheep over. That's got to be a 140-pounder. I bet that's worth 70 bucks, 50 cents a pound. Oh, look, they look at our sundials. Look, we, look at the time. We got to get out of here, man. We, we got to beat the Baptist to Cracker Barrel. You know what I mean? Or, or look at Mary's ensemble. What was she thinking? That's double knit. That doesn't go with her coat at all. They weren't thinking any of that kind of business. They were worshiping the Messiah King. And once we start reminding ourselves what's going on in here, we'll worship. We should do that every week, but especially today in the presence of our Christmas tree. Um. Number three, almost done, very quickly. 
They deepened their topic of conversation with other people. Look at verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The point is, this changed forever how they interacted with people. They're walking around now. They bump into a friend. They're not just going to talk about the weather or the price of wool or, or uh, you know, what, what's going on with taxes. No, they're saying, dude, we saw an angel. I mean, you're not going to believe this. We saw the Messiah. We were in the stable. I mean, they couldn't help but talk about what they'd seen and what they'd heard. And if you and I want to get out of this material thing, we ought to be talking spiritually during Christmas. I mean, look, there's plenty of time to talk about trivial matters like politics and social issues and mandates and kids and current events. Those are important things. I know that. But compared to what was going on in here, they pale in comparison. And we just need to talk about it. Our, our friends and family are counting on us, telling them the truth about Jesus Christ, especially these days. Some of you remember the story back in the 19th century of a faithful uh, Sunday school teacher who led a shoe salesman to Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? Teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, junior high and high school student ministry leaders, small group teachers. Uh, a Sunday school teacher led a shoe salesman to to Christ. Now, the, the Sunday school teacher, you probably don't remember his name at all. His name was Kimball. You probably recognize the name of the shoe salesman that he led to Christ. His name was Dwight L. Moody. Yeah. This, this is how this works. Dwight L. Moody became a worldwide evangelist. I mean, on fire for the Lord. And he held amazing impact on a young preacher by the name of Frederick Meyer. Frederick Meyer started preaching in college campuses and he converted a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman to Christ, who started a YMCA ministry. And during the YMCA ministry, he held a revival and invited a former baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday to come and speak. Billy Sunday spoke and lit the place up, and a bunch of, uh, this was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a bunch of the North, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina business people, lawyers and doctors and salesmen and stuff, were so impressed they put the money together and plans together to hold a citywide revival. And when they held a citywide revival, they invited uh, Noriki Ham to come and preach. And during that revival, a very uh, a young farmer from, North, uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, by the name of Billy Graham, gave his life to Jesus. Now you know the rest of that story. I, I, I wonder if that Sunday school teacher had any idea the kingdom impact that was going to be made by him sharing his faith in Jesus. I doubt it. But just like the shepherds, he couldn't help but spread the word of Jesus Christ. And you and I are to be that kind of witness, especially this time of year. You never know the impact it's going to make. This is the last one. They returned to their jobs with a different attitude Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had seen and heard just as they had been told. They went back to shepherding, I'm sure of that, probably for the rest of their lives. But they were never the same. They took Jesus everywhere they went, everybody they talked to. I, I reread this story from years ago. A guy by the name of Pastor Whitnouse, him and his family were coming home from vacation and a car was coming at him, and just as it got almost to them, uh, the top piece of luggage on this guy's car came flying off, and he was oblivious. He's like Clark Griswold. He just kept driving, and the luggage. Well, the Wittenhouse has stopped, 
and picked up the luggage and took it home. And when they got home, they started rifling through it to see if they could find an address to send this guy. They couldn't find an address. What they found was a $20 gold piece with an inscription on it. And it said, this is offered to Otis Sampson as a retirement gift from the Portland Cement Company. Well, they did some research and some phone calls, and they found Otis Sampson. And they said, we found your luggage. And he wrote him back and said, thank you very much. Uh, I'm thinking about what's in that luggage. I don't think it's worth what it would cost in freight to send it back, so just throw it away, except for the $20 gold piece. He said, that is my most prized possession. And he said that three times in the letter. So Pastor Wittenhouse sent him back the $20 gold piece and sent a two-page letter about his most prized possession, Jesus Christ. Very, uh, very easy to, to, to learn uh, understanding way. The next Christmas, the Wittenhouse has got a package in the mail. And when they open it up, it was that $20 gold piece. And Otis Sampson said, I want you to know that my wife and I were saved. And for the first time ever, we were members in a local church. I am 74 years old. My wife is 72. Nobody explained to us the grace of Jesus like you did. And I just wanted you to have this $20 gold piece because now Jesus is my most prized possession too. That's how important this is, to spread the word like the shepherds did. So I want to ask you, what's your most prized possession as we come to the table of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And, and just think about that honestly for a minute. What is your most prized possession right now if I were to ask you? Is it the new truck you got? Because some of them out there are worth fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. I've seen them. Is that it? Is your most prized possession your spouse? Your kids? Your grandkids? The stuff that you have? Or is it Jesus? Are you battling the spiritual and material? Here's one more thing I want to let you know as we come up here and thank Jesus for all he's given us. I don't want you to feel guilty or sad or embarrassed or ashamed of all all the stuff that you have. It's a gift from Jesus. He came to give us a rich, full life. There's a reason why we're the richest nation the world's ever seen. Don't you feel bad at all about the stuff you have, but don't be fooled by it either because it's just stuff and it's just temporary and it's all his. And if he calls for it, you be sure and give it to him. But don't forget that your most prized possession has nothing to do with this earth at all. It's Jesus Christ. So as you come to do that this morning, if you're in the building and you're not a believer and you're not a, a Christian yet and you'd like to have this most prized possession, I'm sitting right here. Come talk to me.